Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, and welcome. This is Visual Workplace Radio, and my name is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. And you know, in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that. We explore, we describe, we celebrate the principles and practices of the technologies of the visual workplace, of how to make the workplace speak. And we look at concepts and tools and methods and strategies, people and results. We want to figure out how to do it and make it stay and make it good and really let it change the way we do our work. The outcomes are dramatic, informational transparency, dramatic soaring improvements in quality, productivity, on-time delivery, and the wonderful byproduct, and it is a byproduct of workplace visuality, an engaged, robust, robust, spirited involvement of your employees on all levels of the enterprise. I say it's a byproduct because what you're doing is you're clearing out the workplace so that it can flow, but because you're connecting things up through a language that is visual, the impact on culture is extraordinary. And everyone get in, gets involved, not just value-add associates, but everyone, you too. You too learn how to speak visually. So welcome, welcome. Please visit our work, our website, visualworkplace.com, for free articles and these podcasts, for information about my books, and about the products and services that we deliver on site as we help companies convert to a workplace that speaks. And if you want more information or if you want to arrange for me or one of our certified affiliates to come and work with you at your own company, just email us at radio at visualworkplace.com or call us at 503-233-1784. I was about to give you my cell phone, 503-233-1784. We kept our Portland, Oregon phone number because it's on everything. We are now based out of uh, New England in Rhode Island. I also wanted to say with great happiness that in about a week we will, I'm sorry, in about two weeks, we will be on the uh, Shingo Institute website. The Shingo Prize, as you know, is called the Nobel Prize for Manufacturing, Nobel Prize for Operational Excellence. And we've been invited by the Shingo Prize to offer our online training systems to you through them. They have uh, given them their stamp of approval. We feel very, very proud. (laughs) We feel as though we've won the Shingo Prize. So you'll be able to get work that makes sense, which is what we're walking through now online as a training program. You'll also be able to get my uh, visual workplace, visual thinking, as it were, seminar overview management briefing online as well, and our Pokeyoke online system, which is called Mistake Proofing. It is mistake proofing for engineers, but lots of companies have used the same learning design to involve operators into Pokeyoke thinking. It's a very, very good course. I did that one in conjunction with my great friend, NASA scientist, Martin Hinckley, And what fun it is to work. We must have worked three years on that. And he is truly, truly an egghead. I don't know if you're old enough to uh, be familiar with that term, but that was the term that we used to describe people who were really nerdy before we had the term nerdy or the term geek. (laughs) He's my NASA scientist. He's super duper smart. And oh, man, oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> when <laughs> him and me sitting down at the same desk trying to work on a, a, a joint project is something that should not ever be witnessed by anybody. <laughs> it, it's like talking Chinese when you're living in France or talking French when you're living on the moon. <laughs> 
but the product is great. We we toughed it out and we stayed friends. <laughs> Moment there were momentary pauses <laughs> where we we recovered from each other. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a that was an experience. So welcome to the visual workplace. We are going to continue our trucking through. Uh, my may I say wonderful book? My I enjoy it very much. My book work that makes sense, which is the implementation manual for operator-led visuality. We have just completed the building blocks, and we're going on to what is known as Chapter Three, which is the chapter on your implementation toolbox. It talks about very large outcomes, and then it gives you five practical tools, the toolbox for implementing. And these tools I have found to be universally useful, universally useful whenever you deploy improvement. I hope that when you listen to them, you'll not only think about work that makes sense as the modality, as the methodology, but also some of the things that you're doing or many of the things that you're doing under other improvement titles. So the chapter is broken into a a discussion momentarily about knowledge and know-how and then something called the three outcomes. What are the three large-level outcomes that you're looking for really in any improvement methodology and certainly for workplace visuality operator-led? And then the five tools in the toolbox, and those tools are just so you hear them in advance, vision place, laminated map, your visual workplace hit list, visual workplace supplies, which actually is a tool configuration of its own, and the visual workplace blitz, or how you do the conversion between the learning sessions. Included in this chapter are the 12 management tools, behind-the-scene tools that management engages in. These are very specific Uh, And we will walk through those as well on our way through uh, these pages. I will integrate them as we we go through this chapter because they're positioned in order to support um, these segments as we move through. Let us begin. And I know that probably... After we finish this chapter, I want to talk about something very broad about the uh, liberation of power in the organization, which will be one of my detours. I think that we'll probably take a whole show to do that, but I want to comment on what is the big, the macro change that happens when you bring in operator-led visuality. It has very um, impressive, dramatic Uh, radical um, changes. It creates those changes and presents those opportunities for the enterprise. So we'll talk about those. I I would imagine that's going to be two shows away. I don't think we'll get through this chapter in one because, in one show, because it has a lot of meat. And it's very, very practical. So, knowledge and know-how. To this point, you've learned a good deal about the basic concepts and building blocks of visual thinking, your knowledge of what visuality is and why it is important is vital as you start improving your own work area visually. And remember the you, my commentary, the you in these pages is I'm talking directly to the operator. Okay, you. But you will need more than knowledge. Mr. or Miss Operator, you will need more than knowledge. You will also need know-how, how how to implement visuality so it moves forward, how to implement it so it takes deep roots, how to keep it growing, how to keep it going. Knowledge and know-how, know-how and knowledge, they go hand in hand every step of the way, each strengthening the other as your visual conversion unfolds. The know-how needed for a successful visual conversion of your area is a shared responsibility. You and other area associates own a large part of that. The rest belongs to company leadership, supervisors, mid-level managers, senior managers, whether that's a plant manager, hospital administrator, depot commander, 
company owner, or CEO. This chapter focuses squarely on those two things, what you and your colleagues do and what supervisors, team leaders, managers, and executives do to effectively implement, grow, and sustain visuality in the company. These two sets of tasks are crucial, but they are different. The main pages of this book are always addressed to you, the operators, you, the experts. Leadership tasks appear as blue insets throughout the pages, throughout the book, and especially in this chapter. So just so you know, they're coming up soon. Let's look now at the three outcomes. There are three outcomes that define success as you and your colleagues convert your area to visuality. And those outcomes are these. Achieve a visual showcase. Achieve trackable bottom line results. Adopt an attitude of learning. Let's look at each. The first one. Outcome number one. Achieve a visual showcase. The first thing you want as a result of implementing visuality in your area is a showcase, a work area where you have drilled deep into the details of your operations and made them visual. I say it like this, implement visuality one foot square, one mile deep. A work area that has reached the showcase level demonstrates what a well-developed visual work environment looks like and how it functions. When we visit such a showcase, our own eyes tell us why visuality is important. We understand. Newcomers and visitors understand as well, along with people from areas in the facility that are not yet visual. And when they do stop by, they get inspired. And they want their own areas to look, run, and feel like yours, as well as the entire enterprise. I often hear it put like this. I want one like that. I want one like that. Oh boy, look at this work area. I want mine to be like that. To make sure you remember your progress, your management will take photographs of your area regularly. This is leadership task number one. So the first outcome you focus on is achieving a visual showcase. So let's talk about taking photographs. It seems so Simple and so ordinary, and it is kind of. Leadership task one, take photographs. Take plenty of before photographs before associates change anything. Do that now. Do that for all areas and all shifts begin today. Then take another set of photos week by week on the same day of the week if you can at about the same time so you have a kind of moving history of visual improvements as they happen. Take photographs weekly even when nothing has changed. Then you get a sense of the pause. You get a sense of the pace. You get a sense of the intervals. No matter Over time, you'll collect the history of the visual journey in your area. And as a rough guideline, I say take 10 different shots of each department per week. To track an area's visual progress, think about it like this. Pick a single spot and regularly take a weekly photograph or two from that spot, from that location. Put a dot on the floor. And like a tree across the four seasons, these photos will allow you to see the area visually transform over time. And this is a lot of fun. Let me make a few comments on taking pictures. One of the things we find when people take pictures is either they're too far away, you're getting this wide shot and you don't know what to look at or where the progress is, that's one side of the coin, or the other side of the coin is folks will go up real close and they'll take a picture of a visual device because that's what changed. Well, you need to do both and some things in the middle. The language that is used in by photographers is the first thing you do is take an establishing shot. That is, you take as full a shot as you can of the whole area. And there may be several angles to take that from, but you do a faraway shot 
or two or three. And then you go in for progressive details. That's why taking 10 photos is very easy to do if you're collecting history. You go in and you show surfaces. And you might, for example, if it's a machining cell, show the, show the machine and show the loading or show the machine and show the offloading and show the various um, secondary value fields using the language of, of visual thinking of the building blocks, the secondary value fields as they begin to evolve. You will not see a radical visual change until we get to borders. But what you will see, and it will begin in the next chapter called Chapter 4, you will see changes related to smart placement These are harder to spot because they have not yet become visual through borders and addresses and other um, highlighting mechanisms that help you focus and see clearly the changes. But you capture those anyway, and those, those are often dramatic. So don't wait until the borders get laid down because you'll miss the whole growth. It's like taking a photograph of a teenager You missed when they were a baby, a toddler, um, you know, a first grader uh, on her bicycle for the first time and eating spaghetti for the first time. You miss all of that stuff, all of that color, all of that interest. Areas themselves can keep their own catalogs, kind of like a photo album. But it's important for these photographs to be dated or to be grouped by date. Okay? takes a little bit of archiving. You can give this job to a supervisor, to an intern, or to an operator. It'll take about maybe 20 minutes a week. It's totally worth it. You'll have the history. You'll have the past. You'll have the present. And you will soon have the future. But this is a leadership task. We're giving it to the leaders because it can't be neglected because someone someone gets uh, busy or there's a lot of demand in the cell. It needs to be done regularly. You can think of it as standard work. Please, please do it. It's such a heartbreak when people come up to you and you're looking at an area and you're wondering, what's the big deal here? And they say to you, oh, but you should have seen it before. Really, you should have seen it before. <laughs> I've heard that more times than I care to count in my life. And it's a heartbreak. It's like, well, you know, I'm seeing it now and I'm not saying much. What's the big deal? Oh, you should have seen it before. So please. Let us move now from outcome one, achieve a showcase, to outcome two, achieve trackable bottom line results. Hmm. So as each area makes its way to showcase level, it's important to be able to see the progress of visuality, the positive impact of visuality in terms of trackable bottom line results. Management usually takes the lead in tracking since, well, this is tangible proof of return on investment and that's one of their main measures. But you can certainly participate, you meaning the operator. And in the case of self-directed teams, you can take the lead. In due course, the benefits of visuality must positively impact your performance measures, quality, PPMs, defect, rework levels, delivery, cost, safety, QDCS. You may know these already as KPIs, key performance indicators. And as your visual rollout gains momentum, look for improvement from them. I'll say, I'll I'll read a few more things and then I want to make some commentary. You or your supervisor can do that. You simply collect the KPIs just before the visual conversion begins in your area, just before what we call the launch. And then you continue to do this at an even interval, week by week as usual. You compare the results as you go along. Here's the thing. You won't see much of a change for the first two or three or four or five weeks. Not much of a change. But after that, after you get into smart placement, you will see not just a positive drift, but dramatic changes. Within six to nine weeks of the launch, you are likely to see this positive drift in your KPI sometime sooner 
that steadily increases over time thanks to the visual devices you and others create and the information deficits that dissolve as a result. In five to six months, expect to see results that are as good as any you've ever seen before. For example, 15 to 30% increase in productivity. We see that all the time, and we usually see that by the third month. We certainly see it within four months. 70% reduction in waiting, 70% reduction in material handling, 54% reduction in walking, much, much more than that, 80%, 87% reduction in walking, 96% improvement in quality, 68% reduction in storage requirement, and this is, an, uh, this is all of these are actual um, results from, oh, let's see, one, two, three, maybe th- four different companies. million of scrap reduction yearly in one of 17 cells, and all of the other 17 cells got on board as well. It's huge. $2.5 million of scrap reduction annually. You know, by the second year, you won't have that much, so you won't have that dramatic a change, but you will still have scrap completely under control, if not disappearing as uh, a KPI completely. 7.1 thousand hours of machine downtime eliminated, gone, and that's over the course of a uh, extrapolated over a year. 60% reduction in floor space requirement, 100% elimination of rework. These are impressive bottom line results and not uncommon for an effective eye-driven visual conversion on the value-add level, work that makes sense. So the second outcome you focus on is achieving trackable bottom line results. This is not done directly. You don't work on productivity. You don't work on quality, work on cost. That's not what visuality isn't, is about. It is not about attacking your KPIs. It is about reengineering the physical landscape of work, building in logic, building in visuality, Redirecting the flow, taking out the struggle, a.k.a. motion. I'm talking now. This is my commentary. And that impacts all the KPIs. They become extraordinary. You know I've been telling you about this conversion that I've been involved in in Mexico. The most wonderful workforce you ever want to work with. So smart, so willing, so inventive. There are some cultural issues you have to work on that are different than the ones I find in the, in the United States or the UK or anywhere. There is their own special con- country. I work on other things in the United States. I work on other things when I'm in New York versus Texas. So there are cultural constructs that you begin to notice, and they have mostly to do about the quality of thinking, the ability of people to think Critically, critical thinking. That means thinking that reverses itself, thinking that goes beyond the edges and comes back again and then redefines the edges. Thinking about mm, loosening up the creative urge, really giving the safety and permission for people to take not physical risk, but intellectual risks going beyond uh, we, one of the skills that I like to teach trainers and then they teach operators is called the, the flip. And that means taking a quantum and then just reversing it, doing the opposite, or imagining uh, a particular function, a particular part of the layout, and then removing it completely and saying what happens when that's removed. Is it a crutch or is it really a part of our performance? So it becomes, so thinking itself becomes interesting and people begin to take pleasures, pleasure in the gifts of their mind. Uh, This is a phrase that I started using a couple of years ago that I love so much to really talk to operators and say, take pleasure in the gift of your mind. Take pleasure in letting your mind reconstruct and reconfigure and entertain itself as you imagine a new way and a better way. This has very much to do with our discussion a few shows back about standardizing too soon 
or standardizing cookie cutter fashion for uniformity when you really want discovery, curiosity, and an ongoing process of thinking and engagement. So going back to the metrics, here's the leadership task, leadership task number two that goes with this outcome, the second outcome of achieving trackable bottom line results. Leadership task two, your baseline set of metrics. Before you launch the work that makes sense methodology in the areas you have targeted, and by the way, we will talk about how to target them within this chapter, you collect a baseline set of measures or metrics for each of those areas separately. Collect the current level of KPI indicators, of key performance indicators, I beg your pardon. In most companies, these are routinely collected anyway. All you need to do is print out the latest results and put it in a binder. Do this again every week, but not less than 12, twice a month. Now, that's not the same thing as taking a picture of it. I really urge you to put it in a binder so you have a little bit of paper. It's okay. A three-ring binder, you put it in the binder so you can see the past collected in one place, and you can flip through it and you can begin to see this drift. Make a little binder. That's all you have to do. In six to nine weeks or even sooner, you'll begin to see this positive drift in the direction of those measures. What needs to increase will begin to increase and what needs to decrease will start to go down. That's when and how you and your other bosses recognize that the visual improvements underway in each department are translating into better performance and therefore improved bottom line results. You need this testimony. This is me talking now. You need this witness. You need to know that your investment is paying off. There is a slight lag time while people are learning how to think and while the organization is learning how to support that change. And then it begins to roll and it begins to roll with a very strong momentum. You are changing the way people think and as you'll find out in this chapter, you are supporting that right from the beginning. Other metrics, we're still in the blue box on leadership task two. Two additional measures show visuality's positive impact. The first one is management's tracking of improvement time utilization. Now, we will be discussing this as the centerfold in this chapter. It's called the leadership centerfold. (laughs) It's not what you think. We're going to be talking about improvement time and the laminated map and some other tools that will be so useful for you. So that's the first additional measure, the utilization of improvement time. And the second is associates tracking of motion metrics via a stopwatch, a pedometer, a frequency check sheet, or the questions asked and answered. Remember, we used our memo pad back in Chapter 2 of the Building Blocks of Visual Thinking. People used their memo, memo pad to keep track of the questions they were asked and the questions that they asked. So that's what that's about. So the metrics are oblique. We are not driving metrics, using metrics as a proof that this is working. We are in fact saying we're going to do the work of the methodology and the metrics will change as a result. In this company that I'm working with, we're in our... I'm a little embarrassed to say because I've never spent this long on site with any client. It's kind of against my creed. Uh, we're in in over three years there. They've brought a lot of plants, uh, some other plants on board, but they've also opened six of the ten doorways. And that's a lot, a lot of work. That's a lot of improvement, transformation. Really, the company is completely changed. We're working with supervisors and uh, redesigning huddles and, you know, really optimizing the architecture of improvement, but also working with um, with operators through trainers who are not me. We have a rich selection of young trainers. They're all engineers. And um, 
they were not selected for their platform skills or their experience. They were quite green. And they're maturing beautifully and they're becoming leaders in their own right. And it's been very, very interesting work. The metrics began to change within the first seven or eight months, and they have just gone in the right direction consistently and sustainably. They get better and better. The on-time delivery was quite low. (laughs) And now it reached in uh, both plants 100% consistently on-time delivery, where before it was really less than half of that consistently. So these changes are cumulative and they stabilize because the work of the work environment itself is stable. And we're going through the same they're going through the same rock and roll that you are right now with the this this virus. Uh, I want to mention to you that because of my travel schedule which has been radically impacted by the same uh, COVID-19 my shows are recorded at least a month in advance because uh, I just don't have the consistency to sit down on Tuesday and record it live. I've really hesitated to share that with you, but anymore, uh, I have to, because I have to let you know that um, it is actually now on this day, March the 19th, 2020, but you won't be listening to the show probably until for another three weeks sometime in April. And I don't know what the future holds for us or for you, for me, for manufacturing, for the world, for the planet. But um, but I'm hoping that we can continue working. We've switched to long-distance coaching, which is a very viable form of working with a group that is already knows what it's doing and needs to gain strength and precision. So that's working out very well. Pardon me for the detour. The reason that we're talking about this company in Mexico and its parent company is in Ohio. They have uh, one, two, three, four, I think four or five plants now in Mexico. The reason we're talking about it is because of this dramatic shift. It's hardly a drift. Dramatic shift in their KPIs and the stabilization. This change began with operator-led visuality strongly and it continues to this day. It is a joy to work this deeply with a company. So outcome one is achieve a visual showcase. Outcome two is achieve trackable bottom line results, evidence. And outcome three is adopt an attitude of learning. And this is said directly to the operators. Most of us already realize that learning is a lifelong job, no matter what company employs us. The third Visual workplace outcome targets the conversion of our mind, of our heart and our beliefs as we convert the work area to visuality. Continuous improvement is an opportunity to both streamline the physical workplace and help ourselves grow as individuals. As we change the process, the process changes us and we learn. We learn what works We learn what doesn't. We learn what we like. We learn what we don't. We learn what we got right and what we got wrong. And as importantly, we learn the difference between demands and preferences. And we practice airing our preferences. Safety, for example, is always a requirement and we demand it. But the way I like to have my workbench laid out is a preference. I favor my way, but your layout, I learned to say, is also very interesting. (laughs) I know that I'm an adult, and so are you. Therefore, neither of us need to get bent out of shape if the other person doesn't agree with us. Exactly. We just have to learn to stay open and sort things out. And so we adopt an attitude of learning. We learn to stay open. We, none of us come with this as a practice. We've learned it along the way. We are very self-referential and we like ourselves a great deal. I'm now talking. So we always come first in our mind. I believe that very completely in my own life and in the lives that I've observed. 
So we have to learn to stay open. So, for example, we can appreciate mistakes instead of blaming ourselves or others. We appreciate mistakes as opportunities to learn. We may even get so interested in mistakes, including our own, that instead of hiding them or blaming them on others, we study them and we become scientists. I like to say scientists of motion, scientists of our own work. We come to realize that mistakes are part of what makes improvement a journey and not a destination. You keep going. When you learn to adopt an attitude of learning in the face of change, you can learn to stay open and bear the discomfort of not knowing the exact result. And over time, you come to accept things about yourself the same way. And where acceptance is beyond your reach, then you learn to be willing to adopt tolerance as an outcome. Tolerance. I may learn, for example, that I prefer to be in a leadership position out in front of the change. Or I may learn that I like to hang back with a wait-and-see attitude. Both of them are great. Both of them are acceptable. I may learn, for example, that I get cranky when I'm not sure I like the change in the first place. But I also learn that whatever my personal preference may be, I want to stay open and remember that not all other people are like me. I will allow myself to change and I will allow others to change. We teach this as part of, commentary here, we teach this as part of the work that makes sense methodology because we must remember The first building block of visual thinking is I-driven. I return to this theme. It's saying that what, I'm going to use myself now, what I care about, what I think, and what I want matters. It matters in me, but it also matters in you. And if it matters in me and you, then we have to negotiate a mechanism for allowing both things to happen. That's where tolerance becomes a meeting ground. And that may shift to acceptance. And that may shift, and it often does, to me saying to you, I'm interested in what you are thinking about. You go first. No, you go first. Show me yours. You go first, and then in two or three weeks, let me try mine. But let's try yours first. You go first. Remember we talked about that a few shows back? This is not pie in the sky. When you're training in a company, you already have the authority of the company behind you and under you and surrounding you. You are in a position of authority. Use that authority to suggest and if need be to require tolerance. People will learn from you because you are in a position of authority. Even our young engineer trainers who are very shy to so-called boss people around. But what they are learning is they are standing for the company. They are standing in lieu of their boss and representing the values and beliefs and the urgencies of the company. And so they can say very strongly and with confidence, we're going to go this way. We're going to learn to tolerate, and then maybe we'll move to acceptance. And as part of the learning, we also share, as part of um, our online training system, I remember this slide very well, I loved doing it, we talk about Gautama the Buddha. And the, the rap that goes with it, I'm reading from the book now, is As Gautama, the Buddha, told a student a thousand years ago when she asked how to navigate life's tricky parts, he said, these three things, this is what you do. Number one, you show up. Number two, you tell the truth. And number three, you stay opened. That was the Buddha's way of saying, adopt an attitude of learning. He was a wise man. Show up, tell the truth, stay open. 
When I included that in the training, I was one. At first, I did it physically before we formulated everything into an uh, online training system. When I brought that up the first time, I was wondering what kind of a reception I would get. People were vitally interested. They were interested. They started using the language. They asked some more about where this kind of simple trio came from. It resonated with them. Show up, tell the truth, and stay open. Look, life is complicated. We get so many inputs about improving ourselves and improving our lives and do this and don't do that. And when you can reduce it to three simple steps, three simple truths, it's a relief. Show up, tell the truth, stay open. (laughs) So... These are the three outcomes that tell us if our visual workplace implementation is a success or is moving in the direction of a success. Achieve a showcase, achieve trackable bottom line results, adopt an attitude of learning, which is the most important, well, all three of them. They are equally vital to your success. Hmm? There it is. So now let's look at the five tools in your implementation toolbox and how they will help you get in and get going. Okay? You're, so we're moving on to more meat. Your implementation toolbox, the five tools. With those three outcomes firmly in mind, you are now ready to begin to learn and implement. And we use five core or key implementation tools to help us stay inspired, stay focused, and target and drive workplace visuality so our visual improvements sink deep roots and keep growing so they are sustainable. So my comment is we make sure to keep our eye on sustainability even before we launch, before we launch. You know, I'm thinking maybe what I'll take you through, maybe before we start smart placement, is the pre-launch checklist. There's a checklist of 20 tools. There's also a checklist of developing the training environment. I think that that might go, I'm just making a note to myself, that that might go very nicely here because we're in the prep stages. We're kind of getting ready to get started with the change. We've had an introduction to the visual workplace in Chapter 1, what it is, the 10 doorways scan. Chapter 2 is the building block, so you understand that this is a coherent system of thinking. It talks to itself. It has strong elements that help you go deeper and go further. And now we're in the chapter about the toolboxes. So I'm thinking I'm going to make a note at the end of the show to look at that 22-step implementation tool, um, implementation launch. It's called the pre-launch checklist and maybe also the uh, training, the training um a set of seven uh, requirements for good training. I think I'll integrate those as well. Why not build the whole thing like a little hologram outwards? All right, the five tools. Your vision place to help you stay inspired. Your laminated map to help you stay focused. Your hit list to help you target. Your supplies to help you invent. And your blitz to help you drive. I think we'll have time for the vision place. Your vision place a tool to help you stay inspired. And this is an exercise. We give it directly to operators. And you can certainly do this tomorrow morning. Name a place you've actually been where what was supposed to happen did happen on time, every time, day or night because of visual devices. Name your, name your vision place. Maybe it's a nearby factory or a hospital or an accounting office, a place where high levels of visuality made you dream about your own workplace looking and functioning like that. I want one like that. Such a location is called a vision place. The purpose of a vision place is to inspire to inspire us on the outside, outside the company, until there's a vision place of our own inside, inside the company, 
inside even your own work area. If there's no hospital or factory like that near you, find a different community location that is highly visual. Maybe it's the post office or the county library or some restaurant or retail outlet famous for many user-friendly devices that help customers and employees alike. Highly visual, user-friendly, I should say, visual devices. You can think of in the Midwest in the United States, Friendly's Ice Cream Parlor. Oh, my gosh, they've got so much visuality about how to construct these sundays and these banana boats and these triple sundays and these double banana boats. All of the instructions are visual. They're right there, easy to access. Nobody makes a mistake. They got it. Or McDonald's. Home Depot, Lowell's, or if in your, or if you're in Orlando, Florida, go to Disney World. Oh yeah, this is a vision place of the first order. It's one of my favorite places to go. <laughs> you go to Disneyland. I this is actually what I heard a, a Disney. Now this was a Marriott executive say the same thing with Disney World. Is talking to everybody uh, from the podium, inspiring them about what a good year they had. And he said, he said, people come to our hotel and we give them excellent service. And then they leave. And he said, and I turn to you. I turn to you, um, people who are on the curb, the concierge, the... Um, the valet who's bringing your who's bringing the customer's bag to their car you are our last hope we want our customers to come to have a great time and we want their pockets to be empty when they leave and still be happy you are our last hope <laughs> I often feel that way at Disneyland, which is a place that I go to. I go there. I spend a lot of money. I go home happy. My pockets are empty. And I think that that's a very good metric. If your pockets are empty and you're still happy, that place has been run by visuality. There's no question in my mind. It's so easy to park at Disneyland or Disney World. It's so easy to get around. It's so easy to wait in line because there is a metric every 15 minutes and you make your way gradually through a two-hour line because you're watching your achievement and moving to the next uh, metric uh, moment, the next 15-minute segment. There are only three requirements for choosing a vision place, that it is highly visual, That's number one. Number two, that you've actually been there yourself physically in person, not just heard about it or seen it on a video. And three, that it's within walking or driving distance, 10 or 15 miles, so you can visit it often to remind yourself what visuality looks like and feels like in action until a vision place exists at your own company, in your own work area. And so what we ask our operators to do at this stage, our value-add associates, is choose your vision place right now. Write it down. Talk with your neighbors about it. What makes it exciting? What do you see there? And then what we do in the classroom is let's talk about it. And usually we say, you know, there may be two or three of them. That's fine. Talk about them. And after we talk about it, we say, choose one. Choose one. And some companies, what they do is this used to be done. They used to hand out cameras. Now everybody has an iPhone and we say, collect pictures of your vision place and let's e- let them be our album of inspiration until we reach the point of getting visual in your own work area through the work that makes sense methodology. And then if your visual efforts get stalled or you forget what you're working for or why, or why you can visit your vision place and you'll say, wow, this place runs like a, like a clock. It's so smart. They made everything. Visual, I want one like that. Hmm? You remember that phase, I want one like that, when we were talking about a visual showcase. That's the connection. Your visual showcase becomes a vision place inside the company once you achieve it. So you let your vision place be a constant source of inspiration, information, and understanding on your journey to a visual workplace. That is its purpose, and that is the first of the five tools. Okay? When you go into 
you go into McDonald's and you see what happens in front of the counter, then linger a while and watch that hum that's going on behind the the counter, you will see a deeply visual, deeply embedded workplace. The process of work is embedded into the physical landscape of work, and that means folks can come in brand new and achieve great success even on their first day. It's easy to train people. It's easy for them to feel success, feel confident, and excel. That's what you want from your work. And I want to make a distinction right now because I think I hear a few of you saying to yourself, yeah, that's what standard work is for. Standard work is great and important and it is the bedrock of pull. You have to have standard work to have pull. You don't have to have standard work to have work and or to achieve. But it's very helpful if you really want to implement a pace, a steady pace, a pull, a time-based pull in your company. But if you don't get visual, that standard work will erode. And not only that, it won't be visible. It will be a mechanism, a process that you have to memorize rather than recognize. You'll have to memorize instead of recognize. If it is not visible, you have to remember it yourself. And yes, you'll acquire some muscle memory. But what happens when the next person, new person, has to be trained? I have seen many, many Lean companies work very hard to implement standard work and not go visual, and they are on sand. They're on a better quality of sand than no standard work at all. When you add the visual piece, then you have real strength, you have sustainability, and you have a platform on which you can build your next level, your next iteration, both of standard work and operational excellence. So thank you. We are uh, going to close for the day with my thanks that you've joined us and that you are interested in workplace visuality, that you are letting us join you on your journey to that destination. I wish you a very, very interesting journey to visuality. We have much, much more to discuss and to share. I, uh, this is the best part of my day, to share it with you. My name is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I say, let the workplace speak. Thank you for joining us this week at Visual Workplace Radio. Tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, with your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Let the workplace speak. Let the workplace speak.